0: Welcome to From Duck Till Dark Outside the Marvel Studios. An audio celebration of the films based on Marvel Comics characters released before and during the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Enough said. Facefront True Believers, this is George Soroy and welcome to the latest episode of From Duck Till Dark, outside the Marvel Studios. A celebration of all the Marvel movies that came out before and during the run of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And this episode tonight is the second time so far in this series that we have seen a second take on a comic book property. A while back, we focused on The Punisher. The 2004 movie, which was the second iteration of The Punisher on the big screen, although it was the first for U.S. audiences. Um, The 1989 film, The Punisher, only made it to international screens. Unfortunately, New World Pictures was going bankrupt during the time that it was gearing up for release, so it wound up having to get bought off and eventually just spit out onto VHS. So that was the Punisher's first first shot on the big screen in US theaters, and it was a modest success. But uh, the next year, in 2005, we got to see the first family of Marvel, the Fantastic Four, finally make its way to the big screen after the unfortunate 1994 version was shelved before it was fully completed. And what I have seen of that one, because obviously I saw the 1994 version, thank you convention market, and I feel like that one had a lot of heart to it. I thought they were on a good path. And I especially loved what Joseph Culp was bringing to the character of Dr. Doom because he was able to display this amazing gravitas as much as possible, which is exactly what Doctor Doom is supposed to do. Just looking at him, it's just like you're supposed to kind of play him as far to the moon as possible. So, unfortunately, the Doctor Doom that we got in 2005, as played by Julian McMahon, when he finally does don the infamous outfit of Doctor Doom with the the metal faceplate and everything. He doesn't have that sort of gravitas, unfortunately, but we'll get to him in, in a little bit. But let's rewind, rewind a bit. The main reason why the 1994 version did not make it to theaters was because Marvel at that time was really kind of regretting the low budget deals that it was making. Roger Corman got involved with the Fantastic Four, not because of a deal with Marvel, but because of a deal that he made with German producer Bernd Eichinger. Bern Eichinger was the one who had gotten the rights to do the Fantastic Four for the big screen. And he wasn't able to get things going. No studio was taking his movie with a $40 million budget, which was similar to what Batman was in 1989. They weren't willing to take that on. And it was getting to a point where Marvel was, was at the deadline to get its rights back. And so Ike needed to get this going as soon as possible or else he was going to forfeit the rights. And so he reached out to Roger Corman and and asked him, could you produce a a version of Fantastic Four for about a million dollars? Everyone says it was made specifically to keep the rights. But if that was the case, they wouldn't have come out with trailers. They wouldn't have sent the cast and crew around to do a lot of publicity, to go to conventions. There was a lot of publicity that they were doing, which would not be necessary for a movie that they were just going to shelve um, after getting to extend the, uh, the period where they had their rights. But Bernd Eichinger was able to make a deal with Marvel and 20th Century Fox for them to acquire the rights and for Eichinger to come aboard as a producer. Marvel went ahead and paid for the negative by buying out what Corman had put in. And that negative, sadly, never saw the light of day. However, thank you again to the bootleg market for allowing um, it to get leaked out the way that it did. As I said before, you got to check out the documentary Doomed. It tells all about this in much greater detail than I ever could. And it's from the point of view of everyone who was there. So it's really, really valuable. It's a great documentary, highly, highly recommended. But this is about 2005 because this was what Eichinger wanted to do. He wanted to create a big budget version of Fantastic Four. Well, here it is. And was it a success? I'd say a mild one because I thought that the actors themselves were all committed to their roles. I liked the the dynamics of these four that are there. I like Ewan Grafode. I think that he's able to carry this maturity and authority to his role as Reed Richards slash Mr. Fantastic. I thought Chris Evans was fantastic as the Human Torch. Johnny Storm, I thought that he was able to bring that kind of swagger to, to the character in such a convincing manner that he had people a little bit weirded out when he was picked to become... Steve Rogers, a.k.a. Captain America, they had no idea what they were in for by having <laughs> Chris Evans as Captain America and being as awesome as he is. So you get an, you get an interesting take from him, and he's got this great arrogance that comes across and a lot of charisma. He, he displays it all. Michael Chiklis, I think, does, uh, does a really solid job as, no pun intended, as Ben Grimm, a.k.a. The Thing. I think that he's able to he he operates really well like in, in this role. I like the the back and forth that he does with with Eugene as Reed Richards. And I even like what Jessica Alba brought in. I've always been a fan of Jessica. I think that uh, she's got you know great charisma as a leading lady. I feel like when she's part of an ensemble I th- think she can really work well with them. And she works well with with everyone here. Like I said before, I feel like Julian McMahon I like the smarmy Victor Von Doom character that he is at the beginning of the film. But I don't care for how he eventually transforms. So like Willem Dafoe, when he went through his own experiment in the first Spider-Man, he transforms really, really convincingly. And just the way that he the way that he changes like his body language and everything and just has those moments with himself that's so wonderfully over the top what this needed was a performance similar to Frank Langella as Skeletor in 1987's Masters of the Universe. Langella knew that once he was behind that makeup if he can make sure that that his performance can really kind of shine through, then he can go to the moon with him. That's what he; those were his exact words in the Power of Gray Skull documentary about He Man. So, that's what was really missing was the gravitas that Doctor Doom can pull off. I mean, just look at like again, look at the character, look at his look, look at the name. It's all right there for a gargantuan type of of villain, just over the top play him like as far out as possible and just have a lot of fun doing it and really kind of chew that scenery from behind that silver mask. And overall, I feel like there are elements that are kind of like kind of odd. I can never get over Ben Grimm saying, pointing over to Johnny Storm saying I can even handle Mr. Blonde ambition here. And Johnny Storm's not blonde. So, I mean, the character is supposed to be, that's what he is in the comics. But Chris Evans, Chris Evans's take on Johnny Storm, he's not blonde. If you see the casting come in after the line is written, write something else. Try something different. Overall, I feel like was able to, for the most part, kind of toe the line that the Fantastic Four needs to toe if it's going to succeed. It can't be too serious. It can't be Batman and Robin. It has to find that event that middle ground, which is a very very narrow. But if they can, for the most part, they pull it off. They're able to stay on that line longer than expected. And I would also give, uh, give credit to John Ottman for giving a bombastic type of score that also has a little bit of humor to it. I remember someone on Amazon saying that when they were reviewing the score, they, at, they were wondering out loud why John Ottman was incorporating beer barrel polka into the theme and as soon as i heard that i was just like but that does sound, that sounds right and then i just hear like dun, dun, like yeah that's roll out the barrel that's it and so that was uh that was a really interesting take uh, on that and i i i'm sure john didn't mean that but but hey if it, if it added a little extra fun to the overall score to the overall feel of the movie then yeah go for it go for it. I feel like there there when I watched the theatrical version, I felt that it was just like, ah, eh, all right, just kind of okay. But there's something about that extended cut. And if you can see a version of Fantastic Four, see that one because it takes its time a lot better. It doesn't feel as rushed as the theatrical cut. And it has it incorporates more character moments and it creates it creates a good vibe. It's got like a really cool opening sequence that that Looks like it's very—it's a little animated sequence that showcases various elements of the film that we're about to see, and it, and it's and it makes it it gives it like a nice little fun fun vibe going forward. It is supposed to be somewhat jovial. It's not supposed to be as stark as what we had gotten the month before. Maybe just the the movie itself, even though it wound up being a solid com, uh, commercial hit. Uh, with some mixed reviews, I feel like it was a victim of Batman Begins just kind of taking all of its thunder. And uh, Batman Begins was kind of reminding everyone of what a comic book movie could be. And what Fantastic Four is reminding people of is what they had been. And so that's what we got with this one. We got a fun one, but it really suffers from a weak villain when all of this is said and done. And it's sort of a missed opportunity to really go full blast with Dr. Doom. So I would give it a mild recommend. I would say, why not give it a shot? And so I'd be interested in here what, what your takes are. Check me out on Facebook, facebook.com/ from Till Dark. And if you have any thoughts or anything about the, about the movie, please let me know and I'll be happy to read those thoughts on the air. And if you have any sort of additional feedback to share, please feel free to write a ra- uh, rate and review. And I just look forward to hearing you guys. I hope you're enjoying this run as much as I am. So until next time, this is George Soroy saying to all of you, Ever Upward and Excelsior, I'll see you tomorrow.